there's no safety net you know there's the buck stops right here and no, no one's going to come rescue you so it's like all right well um you you've got a lot of things working against you in that situation Welcome to the No Excuse Pro Podcast, your weekly dose of motivation and actionable advice. If you're a realtor, financial planner, business owner, or anyone who's tired of making excuses and ready to take your success to the next level, you've come to the right place. Join your host, Kevin Briarton, each week as he chats with industry leaders who are going beyond the excuses to achieve their goals. So no excuses accepted. Let's get started. All right, JW, I appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, man, it's been a pleasure knowing you, calling you a friend, a partner, yeah, uh, knowing you for close to like, I don't know, at least six or seven years, maybe five years, something like that. Might be uh, more than that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's been a little bit. So I, I appreciate you as a friend and I appreciate you jumping on here. One thing that has that I've always loved about you is that you – happened to be a salesperson but man you started as a farmer is that right <laughs> i did yes um our second time telling the story today it just it keeps coming <laughs> back yeah um you know i got out of um high school and, and decided to get a bachelor's degree in agriculture uh did bachelor's work in plant sciences and then went back to the small town where i was born and i was a professional rice farmer with my dad for the first decade of my professional life and where, where were you born at uh in a little in butler county missouri uh dangerously close to arkansas as i like to say but yeah um <laughs> yeah that's uh that's the spot my my dad's side of the family farms my mom's side of the family farms extended family they all farm or have like connections to it so yeah, me and my dad, year round, we had a crew of four, but during planting and harvest, we'd start ca calling uh, cousins, uncles. Uh, I mean, we just, everybody had the skill set required and maybe they're working off farm, but they get seasonal work with us and yeah, and pull it together and make it happen. So, I mean, dude, as a farmer, you really probably had to embody that no excuse mentality to be successful. And that's why I'm doing this. I, yeah. I truly believe that People have too many excuses. They don't see their dreams come true because they may have dreams, but they don't have the mentality, the no excuse mentality to bust through that and achieve their mm -hmm. goals. Yeah. So as a farmer, man, that's got, you got to be like, I don't want to get up this morning, but I got to get up. Tell me a little bit about that as a farmer. Well, yeah, um, there's no safety net, you know, there's the buck stops right here and no, no one's going to come rescue you. So it's like, all right, well, um, you, you've got a lot of things working against you in that situation. You know, you've got um, global grain prices that don't take your wishes and dreams into consideration. Um, you've got uh, very large um, suppliers. So there's really no way to negotiate on pricing for anything. So you take the price, your price taker is the phrase in the agriculture world. What's seed going to cost? Okay, which price do we want to take? Because we we can't speak into that. It's just it's going to be what it's going to be. We want to we want to sell our crop at the end of the year. We well, hear some available prices. Which one are we going to take? There's there's no control. So you really got to take those two realities and then figure out how you're going to bridge the gap by yourself. And it's it's just you. Uh, Mother Nature usually doesn't help either. That's a bit unpredictable. But uh, you got to roll the punches. Um, 
we used to talk in things like weather windows. We've got a plant, 1,500 acres of rice. The forecast says we've got six days to do it. There's our weather window. How much work can we get done in this many days? Um, and you might get a little extra. You might get cut short. Um, so you've got to get it done inside the window. Um, you know, make hay with the sunshines, stuff like that. So I like that weather window. I feel like sometimes in our businesses that we have some weather windows mm -hmm. kind of in seasons of life, but totally. you are a awesome financial advisor, been at it for what, close to 10 years now, eight years? Uh, uh, it'll be seven, seven years, seven? January, right okay. there at seven years. Yeah. And it's, what's cool about it is like you have a diverse enough background dealing with mm -hmm. the planning of farming and your your background even going into i believe you lit, worked and lived in africa for a while and yep. serving that community and it's just really cool because i think that your diverse background adds to your value but let me ask you a question what do you think the one thing what is the one thing that makes a difference in your success as a financial planner what's the one thing oh, that boy. makes a difference in um, your success yeah i my first i based off the title of our talk today, I really wanted to throw that word grit in there, but, um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really think that's it though. I, I'm going to switch that to heart. You know, um, a lot of folks in this industry in particular are really uh, driven by compensation, driven by assets. I mean, that's what we do all day, every day is we think about money. Uh, so I think it's a common pitfall, but um I, you know, after having traveled the world and seen some things, I'm like, I really want to help people. And, and that works against me sometimes because it doesn't matter if it's a small client or a big client, putting together a plan takes the same amount of time. And, and I, I feel like that's important about caring about people is important and I can pay my bills and that works for me. Um, if I, if I chase dollars in a different way, I could probably make more money, but I'm, I don't want to, that's not where I want to be. When I, I think I heard that you have, you know, the, the heart and caring is really what makes a difference in success. And one of the things that, um, you know, I hear as a consistent, um, thing throughout having these conversations is if we can have enough caring and heart, we deserve to have financial freedom as well. Now, the context there is that that sometimes us as professionals have a negative connotation with success. And I think this yeah. is an excuse. And I think that mm -hmm. it's something to think about. It's one thing like, hey, if there's somebody that calls me and they need a $60,000 loan and it's the right thing to do, by all means. Yeah. But if I did only $60,000 loans all day long, <laughs> yeah, I it's a lot I of work. Yeah, it, I can only imagine. Add up financially, right? And also, I'm right. not helping as many people as I can help, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not having the worth and impact that I want to have. So, I do believe that you can have heart and be caring and have a great, great life. But I do think mm -hmm. it is something that does make you uh, different in your success, though, is that you're not going to turn away somebody uh, just because um, you're going to consult yeah. with them, help them, give them a direction. Sometimes yeah. those sometimes people don't need as much help as others, and that's okay. Yeah. So I'm I hear you, and I think that's awesome. Heart, heart and caring. I think you nailed it. Um, 
this is something I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Have you ever like, have you ever given up on something that you wish you had never given up on? Hmm. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. Um, I, I nothing comes to mind. Um, if anything, I could definitely tell you about things I worked at longer than I should have. Tell me about that. Um, I made a mistake of like, I should have let this go. And I kept trying to, and it just didn't, it just never was going to work. Um, so if anything, I think I, I, I err in the other direction, but yeah, um, that's a, that's a trick one to, to call sometimes. So when do you, how do you know when to let something go? Good question. I may not be the guy to answer that one. Cause I, I, I feel like I've gotten that wrong sometimes a lot of the times. Um, um, I don't know how to, I don't know the answer to that one. I really don't. That's a great question. What I mean. Because at some point, you know, it, it can bleed into the excuse. Like, hey, I didn't get it. But also at the same time, there's things that, you know, is a chapter of your life and you got to close the book, and go to another mm -hmm. chapter too. So yeah. uh, I think that's something that people challenge with or are challenged with is, is yeah. letting I mean, I don't know. In in the in my current professional life, I've had to create some minimums and create like, okay, what am I good at? How does how do my systems work? How do I scale? And like, okay, where is the hurdle? Because um, at one point there wasn't one. I thought, okay, well, if someone has X amount of dollars and this is their situation, I'm too expensive, and they're and they don't have like it's not going to work. So I'll give them advice over coffee, something like that, and I'll say, when you hit this milestone, and you will, I believe in you, you will, then we can have a relationship. Um, so I've got, I have, this isn't exactly what you asked me, but I have gotten better at, at, at filtering and saying, these are the things that I won't take on because they don't make sense for either of us. But the moment it does, then we can make some goals happen and we can, we can do some fun stuff. But here's goal number one, hit this hurdle. And then we got something fun to, to work with. So you've learned that, you know, you have to have standards in your own life Mm -hmm. but also standards in what you're doing um, because if you just keep giving and giving, but it's not really for the right things, well, yeah. it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's the, what's the one not really important rule? What's a rule that you've learned um, about business that has made you more, even more successful? Cause I know you're already successful, but even more successful. Rest. Rest. It's that simple like and you can get into some balance and you can get into some of this and work-life balance is kind of a misnomer it's so hard it's like I've realized if I like my downtime is valuable okay and I've tried to rob myself of that and really this is coming back to some farming days we have a weather window and you're like look we've been at it for 10 hours but storm fronts rolling in and and we're gonna go for you know four more and we're going to do it again tomorrow and tomorrow and like 14 hour days are awful, but I've done so many of them. And I've realized um, in this industry, like when my mind begins to fatigue, I can't do a good job anymore. And I'm not making progress. When you're brain dead, you can still drive a tractor. It's fine. You can do it. <laughs> you, know, you don't need a lot of brain power to keep on shoveling or whatever. Don't the robots um, drive the tractors now? See, they've been doing it for 20 years. Don't tell Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so here i'm like okay my my um 
my service is my mind. It's my opinion. It's, you know, yeah. it is the advice I give and the strategy that we do. So I thought, okay, I have to give myself downtime and get enough sleep um, because my ideas are better and I'm more effective and I, and I can just serve people better. So, so when I'm in the chair that I'm working and when I'm not, I'm not. And those boundaries can, you got to protect those because they're not going to stay upright by themselves. Yeah, it's good to recognize that because I think it's easy, you know, as us as fathers, man, it's easy just to be go, go, go. And, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's something I made a big change in my situation too over the years. And and sometimes, man, sometimes it's like, I, I just need a break and I just need to sleep in a day. Like I didn't go mm -hmm. to the gym early in the morning because I need sleep, you know, it's yeah. It's okay. And giving yourself that grace to be able to go, no, I need to do this because they need me down the road. I mean, you think about a professional football player, mm -hmm. they're playing a game for a short period of time on Sunday. We're playing our game almost all the time, you know? <laughs> and so, no. like, you know, wonder we people get burned out. And this is one of the things that is important about the podcast I'm doing is one of the things that I'm going to build out is, you know, being a no excuse father and dad. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know where that's going to go, but um, I think that, you know, the no excuse is like hard grit, ah, 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 but, but there's a softness to it too, because yeah. I take my daughter to school every day and I want to have no excuse around being there. The other yeah. day I could have easily said, Hey, you know what? To my wife, I, remember hey, I want to go ahead and have, I'm busy right now. So can you just take her, you know? I can easily do that. Oh, maybe I could squeeze a few extra emails in or a few extra this or that. So maybe I get yeah. extra food. Like, what are we doing it for? Why you need to be a no excuse dad as well as a husband. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of talent. And that's why I want this to be more about not just the hard grit coldness of no excuses, but no excuses on your whole life as well. And well, so yeah, because you've only got so much energy. And it's like, if I put it all into my work, is that real success? Yeah. Because um, I've certainly erred in that direction and given it too much and realized other aspects of my life are falling apart. And I wasn't even doing a good job at work because I was tired the whole time. So it's like, <laughs> it, none of it's working. So so I've I've had to recalibrate in my mind when... <laughs> When my young child is talking to me about something that I don't care about at all, I'm like, it doesn't matter what she's saying. She's talking to me. Are there any tips you have for, you know, fathers out there or, or moms out there that, you know, that have kids that, you know, sometimes take their home? Is there anything that that's worked for you? Uh, yeah, I have taken, I put less emphasis on being right and more emphasis on, on, on being present. On, on Tell me being, more about that. I, I get caught up in facts, right? I mean, I've got a bachelor's of science. My wife has a, um, a bachelor's of fine arts. I do well with a spreadsheet. She does well with a word document. And I get caught up on the technical and I can be nitpicky and I can interrupt people and say, well, actually it's, I'll interrupt the narrative of her story arc and say, well, actually, and, like, and that's a jerk does that. That doesn't matter because I need to let her get around to it. I need to let her do her process. I need my kid to be a kid. It's going to take them longer to tie their shoes and that's okay. Like, yeah. And oftentimes I've, because of that, that's given me 
sometimes just a few extra seconds of patience. Um, but that's long enough to see what's really going on on a, on a emotional level within my family. And I've realized like me being right or having correct data or being on time or blah, blah, blah. None of that really matters. It never did matter. That's awesome, man. Well, I, I, I think it's you, that's a big breakthrough because even if you were right and they're mad, you, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so being, being right's overrated. It's, <laughs> and I, I mean, no. the reality is the right subjective, even if you know it out of a book mm -hmm. or you have experience, your experience is not everybody else's experience. You know, yes, totally. one plus one equals two. But there's a lot of stuff that's gray, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. you, like as a financial advisor, you should save, you know, my goal is to save minimum of 25% of my income. Mm -hmm. There you go. People are like, well, that's a lot. Why don't, why don't you, why don't you go have more fun and spend it on vacations or yeah. do this? Or that? Well, why do you do that? And it's like, well, mm -hmm. or, or you could flip side of that is maybe you should save more. No, there's a lot of stuff in life that's subjective and totally. everybody has to have their own value and to spend on stuff. And so, mm -hmm. I appreciate you. You know, that's a, that's a big takeaway, man. As it's, we get yeah, the older, more I thought we, about it. Yeah. What's that? Did we get wiser as we get older? Ah, about time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me, let me ask you a few things. Tell me a time um, that you did something amazing to help a client. Oh boy. I should write these down. Um, it's going to be recorded. I've got a couple so. of these, but uh, what's that? It's all going to be recorded, so you, it's all good. <laughs> I should. Um, man, okay. I, I'm All I'm pulling up is like cautionary tales of people that did like ridiculous things that it didn't work and then I couldn't fix it. Or maybe I could. That's not what we're after, though. Um, I've helped a lot of people out of debt. Um Coming out of farming, I was not in a good financial situation. Um, I kept, I, I had this habit in agriculture of, of out earning my bad decisions. And that works great until it doesn't. Mm. And, and, and so that's, um, a, you know, a big part of my financial arc. You know, if I only had me when I was in my 20s, it would have been great. Um, but a lot of folks do come to me when they're younger. And I say, look, I know a, a story like this. I've lived something like this. I've gotten out of this situation. I know it feels crushing, but I can help you do it. And, and so I'm, you know, painfully familiar with that space. But, but the good news is I can meet someone there and say, look, this is okay. We got some tricks up our sleeve. And I'll, and I'll, I, I'll kind of tease them with a, with this, I want to give them a, a real piece of hope early in the conversation. And I'll say something like, I guarantee within the next 30 minutes, we are going to find money that you didn't know you had. And we do every time. Um, we're able to find cash flow that is already being spent on something that really isn't important to them, that isn't useful and we can redirect it to something that will help them get out of the situation they want out of. So I've been able to help, gosh, I don't know, 20 something people um, out of um, some kind of debt situation, you know, high interest uh, consumer debt. And then we're able to use dollars they already have to build wealth for them hmm. as opposed to paying someone else uh, interest expense, et cetera. So, um, that's, I mean, that's kind of a bland one, but I feel like I do that all the time. 
um, talked to a guy yesterday about that. Um, and it's, it's working, you know, every time I talk to him, his debt load gets smaller and smaller and, um, Q1 next year, he's going to be able to keep that money. That's awesome. I mean, people need to have somebody that can help manage all of that. Sometimes we're on our own and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, if, Maybe you have a spouse, but that might be hard to talk to your spouse. And then yet, who do you go to? And so yeah. being a financial advisor, but also help them find where to redirect the money and how to build it is, uh, is yeah. a big deal, man. Oh, sorry. I just thought of a good one. When you mentioned the spouse thing, um, I, I joke about how I get paid. You know, I, I do get paid to manage portfolios. I don't get paid to be a marriage counselor or a debt counselor or uh, but I do all those things, right? Um, and I've just been reading a book that I would recommend called um, Critical Conversations. So I've just received some training on how to handle really tense, important conversations, the ones we're all scared of. And like quick pro tip, when you get that scary feeling about going into a conversation, that means it's important. And we had one of those in my office. I've got husband, wife. Uh, sitting in front of me and they're um, blended family, right? He's got his kids. She's got her kids. And we were having a beneficiary discussion about, you know, granddad and how, you know, one spouse thought, well, let's give the money to all of our kids. And the other spouse was like, well, my dad said my kids, and I know you don't want to hear that from me. So I don't want to tell you, but that's what my, you know, late, you know, parents said. And so I was able to help navigate that conversation and, and be a referee and keep, keep everybody from blowing up, uh, be a neutral third party. And I kind of, I knew where it was going. I knew where it could go. Um, and I was able to preserve safety in that room because you can say anything when it's safe to do so. And some things needed to be said. Yeah. These were, this was an important conversation with some big feelings. Um, and we were able to talk about those feelings. Um, and I was able to get the signatures I needed to make the right people the beneficiaries so that we can actually do intergenerational planning. Uh, um, and, and I was able to uh, speak one-on-one -on -one with both parties late, with, with him and her at different times later. And, and like, they learned something about each other, about themselves, about like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been so mad about that because that's what, other people wanted and they had the right to want that and you know maybe i shouldn't have been like i feel better because i was able to say the thing i was scared to say um but we worked it out and I, that was a high point for me to be able because it was the very first time i'd done something like that um and it's an easy enough story to tell um but i but i like that concept because things do get scary you know, with your friends, with your, with your family, with your business partners, whatever. And it's like, okay, okay, this is important focus. Like, this is how I need to operate in, in the next five minutes, protect people and, and maintain a safe space and like, let people talk. And if someone's trying to talk over them, defend them. Like, this is important. You're going to get a turn too. We're all going to like commitment to the conversation, you know? <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's skills I'm still working on, still getting to practice with, and it's really satisfying to see results there. That's awesome, man. I mean, just what, what you did for that family, think about if something does happen to somebody, 
now at least you have the paperwork in place to make it happen where, yeah. you know, people sometimes get that deer in the headlights, especially around family estate planning. Oh boy. Um, yes. You know, sometimes they don't make the decisions they need to make and then they, right. then they have run into problems and then it's like, no, now is the time to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So that what you did for them was amazing. And I appreciate you sharing that because you helped them come up with a plan around what they needed. And it was not an easy conversation, but you were there to provide that safe space, be the, you know, kind of neutral party to help navigate it. And that sounds mm-hmm. like that's exactly what they need. So do that's awesome. Yeah, we got there. It was, it was a win. And, and I've had other families come in and they don't have beneficiary forms. I've, I've, I've been brought in after the older generation was already gone and we've got all this money and a bunch of people and we're all fighting over it. And like, no, thank you. <laughs> like, um, one time a complete stranger walked into my office with a death certificate. I knew the name on the certificate, but not the stranger. And now, and then I realized why this person had to call me back in six months, but like, I never want to meet another beneficiary like that again. We got to stay out of that. We got to have these conversations, you know, a year ago. So, yeah. Good reminder, man. Yeah. Good reminder, you know. <laughs> so what do you, what do you think is the formula to success or, or a pattern? Uh, even if it's not a formula, um, what do you think? Yeah, I is? can talk a little bit about that. Um, I, I think a certain amount of planning is, is required for sure, uh, because it's not going to happen on accident. But um, I would say that you don't need a perfect plan. You need to execute. I would say execution of a mediocre plan is better than like a perfect plan that barely sees any action. So just get in there and go, you know, jump in and then learn to swim and make your plan a little bit better as you go. Yeah. Good enough is all right for the plan, but execution, you've got to show up every day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge because I think the, you know, we all want to have this perfect ideal situation. Okay, I'm going to call so-and-so. I want to make sure it's totally right. So I'm going to wait and Mm -hmm. even roll it back to like, you know, being in college and going to talk to, you know, a girl or something. And you're like, well, I want to make this perfect. And I don't want to talk. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then, but what I want to, you know. (laughs) You don't say anything. And you don't say anything. And you're like, oh, she just left. You're like. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that I think is important is how come at the plan, you just need to have the right reasons for it, the right motivation, the right why. And then the plan can sometimes move a little bit uh, as long as it's within that. And no plan, no, nothing matters if you don't take action around it. Yeah. So it, like you can have, there was a saying that I wrote down. Um, no, it says nothing, nothing happens without action. Uh, accountability is more important than action mm. um, but nothing happens without action That's so true. you can sit here and have accountability but if you take no action then what's the point yeah um i i think that as far as it relates to no excuses i think that you know well let me ask you why do you think people have excuses of taking action Oh boy, there's so many excuses. Uh, what if it doesn't work? What if, you know, what if I'm rejected? I, it's ultimately, I think, a, a fear of the rejection and, and not being enough. I and mean, it's core to our human nature. Um, and I, I, fear is a huge one. I think that's where excuses come from. It's really easy. I think we are wired to blame somebody else. Oh, it's not my fault. It's them. 
it's not my fault. It's the system. It's it's whatever. There's always an excuse. Yeah. Always. And you just yeah. like get a mind, develop a mindset of of ignoring that and getting getting through to get something done because there's always a reason not to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. One strategy idea was just to share with everybody is like, I, you write down, you know, three things you want and three things you want for somebody else. And you Ooh. put it up on your board and go, well, if I'm not going to take action, which one am I going to cross off the list? You know, mm-hmm. I want to take my wife to Greece. I want to build up savings so we can donate to our church and have our mm-hmm. family feel better. I want to be able to donate freely um, because yeah. sometimes it's like, well, you know, I, 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 you know, it's like, no, I just want to be able to, Hey, I want to write a check for that. Awesome. I'll write a check yeah. for that. You know, yeah. and so I think it's important. Sometimes we down downplay like what we want. So one thing that, you know, I think that's helped me is just a little, a little trick with that of writing out three things mm-hmm. that you want and three things that you want for somebody else. Like I'm as I'm, <laughs> as my kids get older, it's going to be paying for college and, mm-hmm. you know, paying for weddings and this and that. Right. So I think that's a huge takeaway for this. I think people can use that right now is use that strategy to help uh, stay motivated when times are not. Sometimes it's okay to be a little materialistic. It sounds bad, but sometimes it's like, well, I really do want that new truck or I really want that. Like, (laughs) okay, I'll do it. You know? And it's like, well, I want to do it because it helps my family. Like sometimes, I mean, I don't know. If you're like me, it's like, Sometimes you just need a little bit more motivation there and not that a family is not everything. Sometimes, well, I just might as well go home and be with my family right now. Well, no. It's, right. Yeah. Uh, that's the ultimate conclusion for that, which of course is ridiculous. Like there's, there's some balance to that. Like, yeah, right. I'm just going to so be, be homeless and like be with them all the time. Yeah. I, I dude, I see enough. Go back to work. You know, that's my, <laughs> so tell me about a, a resource or service you as a financial advisor provides to your clients that really helps them in their experience um, experience as a uh, client of yours? So a, a resource or service that mm. you provide that really changes the experience for your clients? Oh my gosh. Sorry, I'm not gonna talk to you right now. Later. Um, this sounds, sounds arrogant as I'm forming it in my mind, but like I'm the resource, I am the service. Um, a robo advisor with three or four data points can build a decent portfolio. Yes, we're going to build a portfolio. It'll be, it'll be good. It'll be fine. Um, um, we'll customize it beyond that to make it good for you. So then we tick that box. We're also going to talk about downside. Like we're going to talk about hopes and dreams. Right? What's our plan? Where are we headed? Okay, but we're also going to talk about nightmares. How could this all go wrong? Let's protect ourselves from that. Um, and, and those carry two different licensing. Like you can go to, to a shop that just does the one or just does the other. Um, and I think doing both is something that everybody needs. Um, gosh, and then you got, you know, tax strategy, which I'm not licensed for and I don't want to be, uh, which is why I partner with people that are, you know. Yeah. So connecting people like as far as like inbound, you know, you meet with someone, find out where they're really going and what they want and connect them with all the right people. Um, and that's, you could tie, you could tie that, you could take it apart 
and say, well, these these different sources where there's there's the product or service or whatever what they need. And that's fine. That's true. But how did you find that? How did you know you even needed that? You know, where did the strategy come from? Um, and I feel like that's my role is to, is to pull it together. Um, yeah. I had and then there's really there's the counselor part. Honestly, I wish I had more training in this because you, you don't you don't get, you know, Me uh, too. counseling training. Yeah, I'm right. Um, I was able to connect with someone who I've been kind of chasing. I didn't know why they hadn't called me back, et cetera. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I thought I was going to see them at a social event. And I was like, hey, are you going to see that? Nope. And there's a medical issue that's been going on for a couple of weeks. And it's serious. And that's that's where they've been. That's what's on their mind right now. They're texting me from a hospital. And like just to offer support in that situation and be like, you know, hey, I've got your back, whether you want a friend or an advisor or just like a second opinion, like whatever I need to know, I'm here to listen and, and we'll get through it. Yeah. Um, and that you can't put that in a box, you know, that that's that's technically not part of the industry, but it is, but it should be, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I feel humanizes like it, right? There's yeah. a reason why a lot of the robo advisors haven't taken out financial advisors. Like, yes, there's a segment that works. It works for pieces mm -hmm. of the puzzle, right? And you mm -hmm. work with some of that technology as a software you use and as to help aid in the financial planning. But you hit on something important that, you know, the if you think about like chat GPT, for example, Oh like yes. Hot a lot of time. answers, right. Mm -hmm. But it needs to be prompted. Like if somebody shows up at your door and says, I need your help with financial planning. And that's all they say. <laughs> right. You're like, you're going to guide that conversation. Not right. Not so you need prompts. So your yeah. job is to prompt it. You can use mm -hmm. resources to find the answers but people need prompting. People need to understand, like mm -hmm. sometimes they don't even know what questions to ask. So I think you, I think you nailed it, man. You're, you are the resource, you're the facilitator, you're helping guide, you know, guide that and then help them, you know, figure out what they need. Uh, I think that's awesome, man. And you're, you're a great resource. You do a great job. And, and I know you're gonna have a long road to success, but let's look over the next 90 days. Mm -hmm next 90 days of your um, journey here, what do you want to accomplish in the next 90 days? And why is it important to you? All right. Um, so five specific things that come to mind, I don't know if you want me to get that granular, but um, I've just finished a deep dive in some portfolio management, like construction and management. I spent the whole holiday, like just spending hours in it. I cleared the schedule and now I'm rolling it out. So, so that's a win. And the next thing is, um, you know, I've, I've gotten access to some really top tier planning software and I could tell straight away that it's going to want to do, it will do everything I want to do and more, but I haven't mastered it yet. Um, and I want to get some training on that. I want to be able to go exactly to where I want for, for, a simple client, a moderate and a, and a very complex client. I want to know how to deliver the results that'll have some impact for their lives. And I want to do it quickly, you know, so I need to get up to speed on that one. Um, that's an immediate goal for me um, in, in my practice. I feel like I am used to 
being able to meet those needs. And right now I'm, I'm not where I want to be. So I'm going to close that gap. Yeah. How would that make you feel if you can get that gap closed and help? More That'd be fantastic. It's like, cause I can think of people right now that need an answer and I know I can get it, but I don't have it yet. How much should I save? And if I say this much, will I be on track? I, I know from just loads of repetition that like, I can tell this person a high level meaning you're going to be fine based off how much you spend and your demeanor with money. Like we're going to get a plan together. You're going to, you're going to be wealthy. I can tell you right now, but specifically what to do to get there. I can't generate that report yet. Not the way I want to. Yeah. Well, it just goes back to you being a you know professional and, and doing going above and beyond. I mean, I bet you plenty of uh, advisors might be okay with just being okay. And not that you you recognize that the plan doesn't have to be perfect, mm-hmm. but we should strive for excellence. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to be striving for excellence. Like the movie Pursuit of Happiness, we're pursuing happiness, yeah. but not, you know, it's sometimes practice. it's not, we're not always going to be perfect, you know, but we're going to mm-hmm. keep trying, not, yeah, that's something that, you know, when you hear, well, just, you know, just get started, it doesn't have to be perfect. Well, you you could want it to be perfect and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't be deer in the headlights stuck if it's not. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there before and it's just, no, like just get started already and like make it better. More cycles you get in, the better you can make it. And um, the next thing you know, it'll be what you want it to be. And that, and that feels good. That's nice. It does, man. What's your... Uh, Last couple of questions here, man. I really appreciate your time. This has been that's, awesome. And I, fun. what's your what's your biggest challenge? Uh, what do you think the what's the biggest challenge your customers face today? I think it's fear. There's a lot of there's a lot of unknown things going on in the world, um, and there has been. And maybe I don't know, maybe that's just my perspective as a parent these days. But like it's scary out there, you know. Um, and what people don't know is that there's always a way. There is always a solution. Um, a lot of people are afraid about inflation and high interest rates. And, and I'm like, well, you know, guess what? Here's what you didn't know. Floating rate bank loans have made 8 and 9% this year. You can own that. Like high rates don't have to be the end for you. There's there's always a way. Money markets are paying five and a quarter and they always trade at a dollar. They're very safe. Um, I can't use the word guarantee, but oh, we're super close. And it's like, if... If we only need five or six percent to get from where we are to the finish line to make to make your retirement work or or to sustain your retirement. If we've planned for a four percent safe withdrawal rate, that's what we need to do in a linear fashion for the next 20 years. Guess what? We can do that. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be okay. Well, your point there that's interesting is there's really kind of glass half full or half empty. So let's think about rates. I mean, we could be negative on like, oh. You know, it's my credit card interest, my auto loans and my house payment and this and that went up Mm -hmm. unless you have a fixed rate, of course. And uh, Mm -hmm. but then you also make more money on your on your portfolio. I have Uh a lot of clients have clients who are like, I'll just pay cash for it. Rates are I'm not I I would never pay that rate. I'm just going to pay cash like, well, Uh, how long is that going to like, you know, a high rate on your savings Mm -hmm. and then you pay. You know, let's just say hypothetically, this is not a rate quote, but let's just say you get like, uh, you know, 5% in a savings account right now, because mm-hmm. some of them are paying close to five. Oh, yeah. And then you have a seven or seven and a half percent rate. Well, what is your actual interest rate on your house? Well, it's 
like in the two percent range, you know, when you That's, balance yeah. out. Look at the now, spread. If you have enough cash to just wipe out your mortgage, but mm -hmm. you're you give yourself flexibility. I'm really big on flexibility, and and mm -hmm. I think customers put themselves sometimes in a in a situation they don't have options. Yeah, um, that's not good. Options are valuable. The right thing. They're so worried yeah. about doing the right thing that they go, well, I don't want to pay interest. I'm just going to pay cash. Well, hold on here. Like, what if something happens to you? Well, where's your opportunity? I'll sell my house. Uh, like, yeah. where are you going to go sell your house? And then where are you going to live at? You know, and like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. these are the things that I think that you hit on something big. And I think that it's important to, not, it's not about just interest rate, but it's about, well, there's two sides to what we're looking at. Higher interest rates actually help a lot of people and they can help, you know, people's retirement portfolios in a big way, you know? And Well, it's fantastic for fixed income investors. Um, yeah. And people don't know that. You know, we all have our own bias, you know, myself included, right? And I, and I feel like um, it, I, I can step out of someone else's life and look at the big picture. Um, case in point, I have a financial advisor. I don't do my own. Because I'm biased. And I need someone that can see the things that I won't see. So I get advice from another person who's got the same licensing I do, but they're not me. And that's the point. So when people come to us for help, you know, we can we can be an unbiased, uh, you know, as far as their life goes, uh, we can see the things that they can't see. And we can take a step back and, and help them stay the course and make good decisions. Because that's that's really hard to do when you're stuck in your own head. And so tell me more about that. Tell me, tell me actually about a time where a, um, a customer you would consider a hero where the customer was the hero and why this might be a little hard to answer, but I want to oh. go there. When would be a, a customer, customer be the hero in a story for, you know, like, your situations? I mean, cause I'm kind of thinking of a place where a customer's done something awesome and I want to praise them, but I don't think that's what you're asking me. Are you, are you asking me about like when someone's told me something that helped me out? It could be that, yeah, or they can be the hero in their own story, you know, sometimes because we're just think about like we're we're not it's the story's not about us as a professional. Yeah. It's their life, right? And so it's more about their situation and overcoming maybe their concerns. Um because and you're just guiding them through that. You know, a lot of our let's take brand advertisement and all these different things. A lot of people want to come up with like well, GW is a hero because he helped put this together and he made this amount of money for the client and he's the hero. But really it's about, it's their story, not our story. You know, it's it's the client's mm -hmm. story. And so it's something that I'm thinking through about how do we help them? We aid them, but they're really the hero in figuring out what to do um, and having maybe the trust in us to be the guide. So again, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting way to look at it, but I do think over, we have gotten so ingrained that the professional is the hero when I don't believe that's the case. Hmm. This is okay. I think I understand the question now. So now I got to think of some people. Um, uh, a fella comes to mind who's got a PhD in like agricultural economics. Surprise. I got agriculture friends, um, but he doesn't like, he doesn't necessarily work with money. You know, he worked with numbers. So I was able to share with him, you know, some really minute details about how dollar cost averaging works. And he got it. 
immediately. He actually parroted it back to me using words so fancy that I didn't understand what he meant, but he he knew it better than I did is what I'm trying to say. Like, and so he got that perspective and, and he did it. He's been doing it and he's not afraid to do it. So he was able to make the emotional leap to see a bad day on the markets and be happy about it and see it as an opportunity because he knows he's getting a bunch of underpriced shares and he's going to be in it long enough to see that compressed spring record, like bounce out, you know, because yeah. he's a younger guy and he's, you know, he just, he's got 20 shoot. He's got 30 years left of investment growth. Yeah. And, and so it gives him peace that, that he understands that he can share with his family and his friends about like all this fear out there. What do you um, think that's going to do for him and his family, you know, his retirement portfolio, if you had compound, it's going to do, do a lot. It's going to do a lot. It's because people get scared and we want to jump ship. It's, I mean, this is, this is thing is dangerous. I should get away from it. So that's going to allow him to be the hero in his story. Yeah. 15 years down the road. Yeah. You guided him, but ultimately he's going to be the hero to help. He's the know, one that leaned in. Yeah. Of course. You know, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. So tell me, like, what do you, you, I don't know if you've done a resume recently, but yeah, um, <laughs> what do you want on your resume two years from now? Oh, that's an interesting one. You ask good questions, Kevin. <laughs> uh, what do I want on my resume? What do I want on my CV? Um, be nine years in the industry. That's a boring answer, though. Who cares about that? Like well, I would be on your life resume. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I, you know, more of these, I like this. I'm fascinated with this hero question. This, this whole idea, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to, I want to have those stories. I want to know about those folks. I want to have it written down. I want those on my resume. Like I just want to be adjacent to them. I just want to be a little part of that story, you know? Yeah. Uh, I do tell a lot of stories. Some of them are cautionary tales and some of them are like big wins. And I, I don't know, I think stories are important. Tell me, uh, tell me a story. What's <laughs> a big win? I want to hear a story. Come on. Of course you want to hear a story. What would you like to hear a story <laughs> about, young man? You just said you have a bunch of stories. I, I want to hear a story. story. They're anecdotal. They're just like, when it, you know, it's reactionary. Uh, you know, it's all, here's, I know a thing about that. Um, I feel like an old man sometimes with all my silly little stories. Um, and of course, now that you're asking me, I can't think of one. I need, I need a real situation. Um, I'll tell you a little story that that I, I I heard from a mentor a while ago, and I just love it, man. It's um, it talks about how an old man walks is uh, a guy walks up to a porch in a store. There's a storefront, an old man and a dog sitting out front. This guy walks mm -hmm. up, and he looks over, and the the dog sitting on a nail. And the guy is walking to the store, goes to the old man. He's like, why doesn't the dog move? He's sitting on a nail. And the old man goes, I guess it's not hurting him bad enough. Okay. And I think that, you know, that is plays in along the lines with like the, the no excuse pro mm -hmm. and you as a no excuse pro, sometimes, you know, if the nail is not hurting you bad enough, you just keep sitting on it and you're like, all right, well, I got to make a change. Let's do it. Let's go for mm -hmm. it. Let's make a change and build something great and do it for the right reasons. And I think a lot of times people don't have the notes use mindset and don't take action around what they want in life 
I think first they don't know what they want. Um, yeah. That's why I'm asking the two-year uh, resume question. And then the other question is, is or the other issue is, is they don't have the the pain isn't bad enough to take action. So they don't know what they want, mm-hmm. and then they don't have enough pain to make it to go out there and do it every day. Because the yeah. discipline is more important than the motivation. People can be motivated, can have rah rah whatever, and then all of a sudden it calms down, and you're like, "Well, I still got to do it." And so. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, and maybe it's more of a thought question, right? Maybe, maybe you're like, Hey, I, I got a lot on my plate right now. I don't know what I want in two years, but you know, <laughs> yes. I, I would challenge you to you know, think through like what, you know, down the road, two years down the road, what would you want? And, uh, and it just allows you to kind of continue to think bigger, you know? I like this. It's a good idea. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, man. Well, I appreciate you as a friend and uh, as a partner and, you know, you do a great job as a financial advisor. So anybody listening, I think JW is just a, a great way. Hey, how would they, how would people reach you if they were uh, going to reach out to you? If oh, you were right. Out? Yeah. I mean, email is super easy. Of course. Um, my email is JW Robison at the Um yeah, so that's probably the easiest inbound. Where's your Where's your last name from? <laughs> Story time. So, great granddad. <laughs> uh, great great grandpa Charlie uh, lived in small town Missouri, right? Same area that I was from, and uh, he actually banged in Arkansas. Maybe that's where he went wrong. Um, but there was another guy named Charlie Robinson at the bank. My grandpa, Charlie Robinson, another dude, Charlie Robinson. And he's like, and he thought he was going to fix the problem by taking the N out of his name so he could be different and simpler. And that's, so that's where Robinson started is not too many generations ago. Um, I hope it worked for him because everybody calls me Robinson and I don't even like when it matters, I'll correct them. (laughs) Uh, Most of the time it doesn't matter. Um, so like, yeah, like anybody else I meet named Robison, I wonder how they got there. Hmm. Cause like. So your grandfather changed his name because of that. Yeah. yeah. And back then it was easy. You just start telling your friends it's different. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's nothing like you just own it for a little while and then it's legal. It's, it doesn't matter. Um yeah, so that's uh, so. There's really just a few people named Robinson I'm actually related to, and a whole bunch of people named Robinson that I am related to. Oh so, man, that's funny. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate you, man, and keep up the great work serving clients. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll see you soon. And uh, really, really appreciate you jumping on here. Yeah, dude, it was a good time. All right, man. Well, have a good one. We'll see you. See you soon. Okay. Adios, man. I'm gonna call a guy back. And there you have it, folks. Another enlightening episode of the No Excuse Pro podcast is in the books. A heartfelt thank you to today's guests for sharing their wisdom and to you, our valued listeners, for spending your time with us. If you're ready to ditch the excuses and level up, make sure to subscribe and find all our episodes at noexcusepropodcast.com. Don't forget, the only thing standing between you and your goals is the story you tell yourself. So no excuses accepted here. Take action and make it happen.